this. Now we're started. We're on the go. Um, I think my, uh, Uh, my daughter and I, we spoke at uh, Colorado. You guys, I hope you all know this. I hope you've all watched the video by now. And it's up, it's pushing uh, 57, 58,000 views. So, you know, people are becoming aware. And, um, you know, Karis puts my, it, they didn't put it up a lot, which I wish they would have put it up more, but they put my, my website up in the beginning. And so people are seeing, seeing the, the website and, and um, they know that Allison is on um, Healing Journeys Today. And they know now she's my father. And there's a connection there. She's, Allison is your father? Oh, yeah, that's right. She's my daughter. So <laughs> anyway, they'll, they'll instant message her or message her. Allie, do you think your father will talk to me? Do you think your father will get, you know? And uh, Allison gets to me and I say, yeah, sure. I'm never going to turn anybody away. Well, am I gonna, how am I going to turn people? I can't turn anybody away. So, you know, Lori and I, we meet a lot of people. Some of them we've, we've, we've made visitations to, you know, um, others. We, we, we have regular phone conversations. And um, today we were, on, we were on a phone. It just so happened that we were traveling by car from New Hampshire to New York. So I had the time in the car and it did make the time go fast, but I probably was on the phone with one person and, and, uh, and his wife for probably an hour, an hour and a half. I, it was a long time, but it went by quick. We were discussing the word of God and, you know, his wife, I won't mention any names, but his wife, he'll be listening to this and he knows how much I love him and his wife, but his wife, I believe she has ALS and, um, they are believing for um, you've already got it to take place in their life, you know. And, and there's a lot of people. I have a lot of people that are reaching out to me. Cancer, you know, ALS, other things, reaching out to me for loved ones. And I'll be honest with you, my heart breaks. It really does, you know. It breaks because I don't want to see the body of Christ. I especially don't want to see people that know me and know our ministry and are reaching out. I, I don't want to see them hurting and, and in, you know, in, in pain or discomfort. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see that the healing has manifested. You know, my, I have a, my heart, it aches, but <clears throat> I, I won't turn anybody away. I, I, I welcome it in because I explained to this one, one gentleman today, I said the other day I was traveling with my wife when we were going to New Hampshire, she fell asleep. You know, so I'm glad that I put her to sleep. I, I help her sleep. But she was sleeping while I was listening to podcasts. And I, I went from one podcast to another podcast to another podcast to another podcast. And I was listening to myself, you know, because I know I stay in the lane. I stay in the right lane. And there's no works involved. There's no effort involved. There's no you need to meet these requirements involved. So I trust me because it's. I believe it's right from the Holy Spirit, and that's that's where I stay in. So I, I listen to, you know, seven or eight or nine podcasts just right in a row, and next thing you know, I'm in New Hampshire. But and I, I, it's safe. Um, but the I just started looking into uh, second, not second, first Corinthians chapter eleven, and I sent you the notes. 
Most of you have my, what I have. Of course, I have some additional write, writings and comments on my notes that you won't have, but that's why you can kind of like maybe follow along and, and, and make some additions. But, you know, um, I, have a, I have an app, and I know we all have the same app, Blue Letter Bible, and uh, it's connected. It, it could be connected with a couple of different versions, uh, but I connect mine with, uh, with the King James Version. Uh, why? It's just the way I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I never liked the King James Version, but I find myself using it because, you know, people that I follow, like Andrew Womack, predominantly use the, the King James Version and Barry Bennett and Joseph Prince. He, Prince, he doesn't use the King James Version, but he uses the new King James Version. So there's a lot of similarities there. So I just use the King James Version. And another reason is that it's connected in my program. It's connected, um, you know, right to Strong's Concordance so I could easily look up words. But in the Blue Letter Bible, I click on Pauline Epistles. So everything Paul has written would be in that search. And I tell you, I put in the word um, sick. I put in the words disease. I put in the words ill. I put in the words sickly. And with the hopes of trying to find everywhere in Paul's writings where he's talking about why is the body of Christ sick? Why are we ill? Why are we, you know, still walking in the unrenewal? Or we're not walking in the regeneration. And I'll tell you what, you, you can't find the word, you know, um, sick or sickly. You, you just don't find it. Um, and in fact, there's only one place, okay? There's only one place, only one that where he mentions why the body of Christ is sick if indeed they are sick there's only one and it's in 11 it's in it's first Corinthians chapter 11 and it has to deal it's dealing with the communion so i started looking into the chapter and, and, and going through different aspects of it to try to find out, well, look, if this is why, Paul, you tell us, you tell us, Paul, this is the reason why many are sick and even even dying prematurely. So, so Paul makes it clear, this is the reason. All right, Paul, so let's look at it. Let's, let's investigate it. We're going to do that. We're doing that together. And... Um, he starts out, you know, verses 17 and 19. I think this is pretty important. He talks about when, when you guys come together, when we come together, this is especially especially church gatherings, you know, where the body of Christ gets together in, in big numbers and our larger numbers, you know, not just, it's not, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to uh, um, the body of Christ in a church setting. And... Um, which is where most of us take communion. I know some of us take it on our own. And hopefully this study will help those of you who do take it on your own. Um, perhaps take it more effect, effect, effectively, efficiently, correctly, you know, and all those other synonym, synonyms that uh, all mean the same. Um, but as far as the church setting goes, he, he's ad, ad, admonishing them as a body. 
And in verse 17 and 19, he starts out by saying, you know, you're coming together and you're going to celebrate the Lord's communion, okay? And he's saying there's divisions among you. There's strife among you. Um, you know, I kind of can understand, I, I kind of can understand that because ever since my, uh, my beginning days when I was in a youth group, there was always, and my youth pastor used to call it cliques, you know, different groupings. Some were, you know, a part of the clique, some weren't, some had to make their own clique, but you know, there was, there was definitely divisions, you know, which, which definitely caused strife and feelings of inadequacy, feelings of inferiority. And you know what? I, I, I think I'm safe to say, and especially Paul's just dealing with this with the Corinthian church, he's, um, I think it's safe to say that it exists probably in our church. Or when I say our our church, the churches you, where you go to, um, the churches where you attend, church where I pastor over. And I know that I have no ought against any man, no man, no man, you know. I'm unoffensible, offendable. I'm not offendable. I'm not offendable. I, I the, It's one thing about I learned about love. If I love like Jesus loves and I have the love of Jesus, well, Jesus, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right after, right after verse chapter 11, it says, love takes no accounting of wrong suffered it. So, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I have no, no ill, nothing in this, ill, ill, ill thinking or ill, ill toward anyone. But he indicates that, you know, when they're getting together, there is some divisions and there is some strife. So, Right off the get the get go, as as we're going to look into that, we always have to ask ourselves: Look, there's no conditions, you know, for walking in this new covenant other than just believing. But but Paul is kind of indicating that um, strife and and contentions or divisions or whatever could interfere, could interfere with the believing. So only we can check check our own hearts out. So that's, that's, a, that's a little exhortation and a little admonishing he gives in the beginning. So that's one thing, you know, we'll look at, and we did. And, and the second thing he talked about was in verse 20 into verse 22, they were not coming together, or they were not getting together to celebrate the Lord's communion, to celebrate the Lord's supper. You know, they weren't getting together as a body you know, to come together, no strife, no um, no divisions, no, and they were coming together to celebrate this this powerful communion, and um, it, it it goes on to say that I, I don't know, you know, there was wine for the the taking of communion. I I don't think they had grape grape juice, <laughs> you know, uh, they didn't have um, you know apple. I mean, you know, where we like to say. That um, you know, when Jesus turned the water into wine or the, or whatever, that it was grape juice. It wasn't wine. It was wine, and they drank wine. And Paul is saying, "You're coming together. It's not to celebrate the Lord's communion, you know. You're, but you're coming, and you, and you, and what's the matter? Don't you have your own houses where you can eat and get drunk? Right? This is what he says, you know. Um, 
so they weren't coming together to celebrate communion. They were coming together to feast and to eat and to get drunk and whatever. So now, after that, you know, we think about in, in New Life New Life Church, we celebrate communion every Sunday. But the other day, my wife said, and it's funny that the Holy Spirit was work, working in me this message, but my wife said, you know what, honey, maybe we shouldn't take communion every every Sunday. And you know, I don't, I don't want to become like that church that just takes it once a month. I want to always take it. But I do understand that there are people who are not, like Paul is saying, receiving communion properly. And, and I figured maybe I'll, you know, like kind of shut it down a little bit until I can, I can teach so they know. So they're coming together for the right reasons. They're coming together in right relationship. They're coming together, you know, um, for the right reasonings. And then, and then Paul, he, he goes into that. And uh, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But one of the things he does is he says, remember our Lord Jesus. Remember our Lord Jesus in that night where which he was betrayed, right? He took the bread and broke it. So, so Paul puts them back to that point in time, you know, where Jesus first initiated um, the Lord's Supper, communion. And so I figured, okay, if that's what Paul is, is leading them back to remember, so let's, let's first, before we continue anymore in, in Ephesians, Let's look at Jesus. And we see Jesus in Matthew chapter um, 26, and you guys have it in your notes. I hope you have your notes. If not, just follow along. Or, um, take notes on a blank piece of paper. Paper. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28, it says, And as they were eating, all right, so they're celebrating the Passover. This is... This is really important, I think. I think. You know, because a lot of people think of the Passover, you know, is like the type of is a type of communion. But it says they were celebrating the Passover, but then but then the Lord initiated the Last Supper. So the Last Supper to me, according to this, is is different than the Passover meal. You know, we try to look at the Passover meal and 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 what that in, in, involved, and and uh, I, I'm not con- I'm not I'm not convinced that you know where it says where they left Egypt, there was none of feeble amongst them. That the reason why they weren't sick was was because of the of the of the Passover. I think the Passover meal was just about a leaving Egypt and a foreshadowing of Christ. Because they were not under the covenant of law at the time. There was no covenant of law. So there was no, if you do this, then I, I do this. If you don't do this, then I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? There was no do-it-yourself system. So they were still, they were still um, under the Abrahamic covenant. They were operating the Abrahamic covenant, which I don't believe it was the Passover. I do believe it was the faith. God always responds to faith. 
And the reason why they put the blood there was so that the death angel, the death angel could pass over them, right? And they put it there. Okay, and okay, you, we're going to listen to what you said. Trust faith. And I believe the trust faith, which was part of the Abrahamic covenant, is what is what uh, caused them to be healthy. The Abrahamic covenant. Now, you know, I I I don't want to diminish it or you know get get into it. Only thing I wanted I want to to make known is that um, there was a difference between celebrating the Passover. Okay, we're celebrating the Passover. Now, Passover, now outside of that, outside of that, we're going to celebrate the Lord's communion because there is a significant difference. And I know I have some friends of mine that don't believe Jesus was punished on the cross, okay? I, I mean, they don't think he was punished for us because, because of the type that was put before us, the lamb, and they said, they would say how the lamb, okay, the lamb was very humanely put to death. If you understand this, they had certain, you know, like butchers, they had certain teachings, they had certain ways in which they, I don't know, for lack of a better word, let's say, all right, let's, took the life of the lamb. All right, I hope you're following this. It was very humane. All right, they used every part of it. You know, as they divided the lamb up, they were very careful, very, they acted humanely. I hope you understand that. I hope you can see that. So, so then they say Jesus could not be because the lamb was a type of Jesus. All right. This is why the Passover is separate from the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper, it says, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread. Now he's blessing the bread. And then it says he broke it. So, so Jesus initiated the type himself because he qualified the bread as being his body. And he qualified with us that the the bread was broken as his body would be broken. I, it, I, I hope you can um, possibly see what I'm trying to communicate. I know sometimes I know what's in here and I try to get it to here and I try to, to get it to come out of, you know, the words. So this is what they say, well, you know, Jesus didn't suffer. He, he wasn't supposed to suffer. He didn't have to suffer because the lamp went, hey, this is where... Jesus himself tells us he was broken. And he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take eat. This is my body, which was broken for them. So we see that, yes, indeed, Jesus had to become broken. He was, he was, he was broken. The father is the one that broke Jesus, and we're going to see that. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, um, uh, this is my body. And then after that, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my body of the New Testament, which is shed for many 
for the remission of sins. So now we see the breaking of the, of the body, the breaking of the body, and we're going to find out what that breaking of the body was for. And then, of course, we see the drinking of the wine or the drinking of the blood, which it tells us what it was for. The total remission and obliteration of sins. All right. So now let's, in, let's investigate a little bit because this is going to ha ha cause us to rightly discern the Lord's body. Rightly discern the Lord's body because, because Paul says, because you're not rightly discerning the Lord's body, many of you are sick and even dying prematurely for not rightly discerning the Lord's body. So now Jesus told us, my body, I'm breaking it. I'm breaking it. He's telling us, I'm breaking it. I'm breaking it for you, for you. All right, so what does this breaking mean? So now we have to go into the scriptures to find out what Jesus is, 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 is indicating. Now, I'm telling you what, when as disciples are recording this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and well, Mark in the Gospels, they have no idea what he's talking about. They just don't. Their understanding of the Messiah, their understanding of the Savior, it's it's which is equal to Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. You know, what? Broken? What? Battered? You know, they had no idea. But to, to gain more insight, we look at uh, Psalm 22, and I have this here, verse 14 through verse uh, 17. I am poured out like water. All right, rightly discerning the Lord's body. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. He says he was poured out like water. All of his bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted away. It's melted in the mist of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast, hast brought me into the dust of death. Now, the, the, my tongue cleaveth, cleaveth to my jaws. Believe it or not, I kind of I understand that. Because I remember as I was going through, you know, radiation, the mouth is no saliva. It's dry. And I'm like... I'm just like, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the tongue to work. I'm trying to, you know, saliva to, to form. I'm trying to swallow and I couldn't. And so I had to get up and I had to take a formulation that my wife would always make for me of water and salt. And I forget what else it was. And I would rinse with it. And, and then all of a sudden my tongue would be freed up and whatnot. So I could kind of understand what he's saying. My tongue is cleaving to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. And then it says, For dogs have oppressed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and they pierced my feet. Uh, verse 17, I may tell all my bones that they look and stare upon me. So in other words, what Jesus is saying, his body was broken so much, that his flesh was ripped so much, that you can see his bones. His bones were speaking to him. That meant they were exposed. So now we're getting a picture of when Jesus said he took the bread and he broke it. He broke it. He broke it. He broke it. This is what broken bread is supposed to lead us 
into seeing, all right? Spiritual understanding of. And we look now at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. It gives us some further um, explanations. Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. The word griefs, you know, in the Hebrew, it means diseased, diseased. He bore our diseases. His broken body, right? His broken body on the cross. That was a picture of him being broken to do what? Bear our diseases, bear our sicknesses. Hmm. All right. Uh, sorrows. It's talking about, again, also it's talking about it talks about grief and sorrow, but it also talks about pain. He's breaking his body. He's sharing with us the pain. But the pain was so that we did not have to be in pain or find ourselves in pain. And now we look at Matthew, 8 chapter, Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. And it says uh, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That took place when he was broken. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 goes on to say, he was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by those stripes to his body, we were healed. So, although, you see, when they were celebrating this communion, with Jesus, they had no understanding of what was taking place, what was happening, what they were going to be partaking of. Now, after the death, burial, and resurrection, and when Jesus came back on that day of Pentecost, Pentecost, they had a full understanding. And it's just amazing that they went from house to house, they went from house to house in that early day, breaking bread and celebrating communion. And basically what they were doing while they were doing that, going house to house, breaking bread, celebrating communion, was preaching the gospel. He died, he was, he was broken, his body was bloodied and beaten and broken, he was buried and he rose from the dead. And so they were preaching the gospel. They're preaching the gospel every time communion is, was taken, the gospel was being preached. You know, we know what the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God for salvation. And the Apostle Paul was amazing that I might know him in this fellowship, in this fellowship of his, his dying, of his breaking, of his being broken, of his being buried, and of his being raised from, the, from, from dead to newness of life. So we see the word wounded, all right, um, and, and, and the words indicate that uh, it, he was desecrated, treated violently, treated disrespectfully. The word bruised, it means he was beat to pieces, broken to pieces, to break into pieces. Bruised, right? Crushed, destroyed for us. Stripes, scourging. There's, a, there's only one child of God. There's only one son of God that received scourges, the scourging. And that was Jesus. 
and that was Jesus. So now let's look, all right, you get a picture of remembrance, discerning, remembrance, discerning, remembrance, discerning. And so you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 23 now, we go to Corinthians. For I have received of the Lord, I've received this from Jesus, and now the same I'm delivering to you. I've received it, I'm delivering it, this is the Lord's communion. This is why we do it. For these reasons and these reasons only. And uh, the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, and when he had given thanks, I love this, he broke it. He broke it. So think about it. As you're celebrating communion and you're giving thanks, right? And that that bread, that wave, it's broken. It's supposed to drive you, drive you in your understanding and in your, in your remembrance to Jesus being broken. Because now as it does that, and it drives your understanding and it drives your memory, because your soul, your spirit already knows this. Now your soul has to come into alignment with this. You're envisioning, you're seeing, you're, you're meditating, you're seeing him being broken. And if you can see him being broken, then you must and you have to, and it will lead you to understand why he was broken, why he was broken. And he broke it and said, take it and eat it. This is my body, which is broken for you. Hmm, you're identifying with, you're in union with, you're in remembrance to and of the broken body, which was for us. Okay, sounds, I like it. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. We are supposed to remember, all right? Remember, and we're going to look at what that word means. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had supposed, or when he had supped, he said, this cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is vitally important because this is telling us not only do we represent, we, we remember why the body was broken, right? Now, as we drink the blood, the wine, the wine, the juice, we're remembering why. New covenant, new covenant, not old, not the previous. That's gone. That's been replaced. Don't go to the places where you believe it's up to you. You have responsibility. You have, you have uh, a work that you need to do. No, this is representing new covenant. New covenant. The new covenant. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this do, this do ye as often as you drink it. Remembrance of me. For it is not possible, think about this, because I went into a little segue here, segue here, and I got it in your in your notes. Hebrews chapter 10, right? Verse 4, where it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Mm. It is not possible. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. So we're drinking that blood, and we are coming into full agreements with the fact sin is not an issue anymore. So there's there's tons of Christians in this in this touch of, tons of believers who are believing or thinking that this remembrance is to remember their sins or to seek seek and to search their hearts to see if there's any sins. No, 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 no. Jesus is talking about this blood signifies your new covenant, the new covenant of grace, where sins and iniquities he remembers no more, where you have been cleansed and cleaned once for all and forever, period. It's perpetual, perpetual. It's, it's continuous. It keeps going. You're forgiven now. You're forgiven an hour from now. You're forgiven a, a, a tomorrow morning. You're forgiven next week. You're forgiven next month. You're forgiven next year. You're forgiven. It's perpetual. It's just powerful. And then it goes to verse 26 of chapter 11. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So he wants us to celebrate this in the right way, in the right remembrance, and in the right discerning until he comes. So it says, therefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of Christ. So if you're, if you're celebrating communion, communion, he's saying if you're doing it unworthily, what do you mean? What's unworthily? You're not rightly discerning the body. You're not rightly discerning the body, why it was broken. Jesus said, this is my body. I break it. You're not rightly discerning that at communion. You're not rightly seeing that. You're not rightly envisioning that, getting a picture of that. I mean, really, how can we in three, three or four minutes of communion? How, how really? How can we do that? Um, until, uh, what does this say? And drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever, therefore, shall not shall eat this bread and not drink this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And in verse 28, it says, but let a man examine himself, examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, I used to think, all right, examine yourself, you see yourself as righteous, you know. But in context, he's saying, let a man examine himself. For what? Examine the way and the reason and the why to why he's celebrating the Lord's Supper, why he's taking communion. Not because, you know, it's that time of the service. You know, not because we have to do this before we can move on to the preaching. Not because, you know, it's, it's what we do. You know, we do. Um, you know, I, I mean, how... This is not supposed to be a guilt message, all right? This is just to help un help understand. But I I know sometimes Pastor Lenny, you know, he's celebrating communion and he's thinking about hmm, when this is over. All right, we're 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 going to a barbecue, or when this is over, you know, my mind my mind is wandering. My mind wanders sometimes. You know, I'm wandering on the next step. I'm, I'm wandering on wandering on the next part of the service. I'm wandering on, you know, uh, I'm wandering. I mean, think about it. How many times our souls wander? Our soul is wandering. Our soul's wandering, you know, and it's not right. 
you know, in many cases, me, my, myself, I, I wasn't rightly examining. Examining what? The Lord's body that was broken for me and the new blood of my new covenant, you know? So, but this is what he's saying. This is what you, this is what you're, this is why you're examining yourself. You're not examining yourself to see any wickedness in you or whatnot. You're examining yourself to see if you're celebrating or taking the Lord's communion properly. And then it says in verse 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. And um, that word discer discerning, believe it or not, I think I have, I put it down, down here for you. Go find the last, my last page. Is it on my last page? Discerning. Yes. Okay, the reason, the, the meaning of the word discerning is to discriminate. Huh. To discriminate. Now, we hear the word discriminate, and we think discriminate is bad. It's a negative word. It's not, discriminate is not, a, is not a bad word. To discriminate is not a bad word. So Paul is saying here, you haven't rightly dis discriminated uh, the, the Lord's body. You haven't rightly discerned. Because the word discriminate means, um, the meaning of the word discriminated is, is to mark or perceive the distinguishing or peculiar features of something. So, you know, when we're discriminating, we're rightly looking at the body. We're rightly looking at the broken body. We're rightly looking at the picture behind the wine. We're rightly discriminating. And why do we rightly discriminate? So now we can come up with the right conclusion. I'm healed and I'm whole. So another picture of the word, what the word discriminating means, it, it, means, it, it means like, okay, hmm, I'm looking outside. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, but it is, the, the clouds are so blackened and so darkened, it's, it, there's hardly any light. It's, 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 it's like it's nighttime out there. And the wind is picking up and the wind is blowing, the trees, the leaves on the trees have, have turned over, the wind is picking up, you know, I, I hear, I hear thunder, I, I hear thunder, I see, so now, while I'm discriminating that, what conclusion did I come to? Stay in the house, it's going to storm, you know, so this is what Paul is saying, because you're not right, rightly discerning or discriminating the Lord's body, right? You're drinking in an unworthily manner. You're going to find yourself in damnation. What what does that mean, damnation? Well, that, that's the opposite of salvation. You're not going to experience or find the salvation. You're still going to be living in or part of the damnation that came as a result of sin, you know, Adam's sin, the fall. That's, damnation, and not salvation. Hope this is making sense, okay? Um, and then you think about what it goes on to say, I have uh, damnation. Uh, it means the sentence is pronounced. 
the verdict has been pronounced. It's a condemnation. It's a decision resulting from an investigation. You've investigated wrong. You've discriminated wrong. You've not done it rightly. You've not discerned properly. And, and instead of it bringing salvation to you as you're taking the Lord's Supper, right? You still experience damnation. Is that making sense out, Lord? Yeah. Is it, I hope it's making sense. I hope this is making sense. It's, it's all going to, it's going to come to a crescendo. And um, he goes on to say, um, Mark chapter 12, verse 40, Luke chapter 23, verse 40, you find these words in there, and it's the process of judgment leading to a decision. That's what that dis discerning means, um, discriminate means. It, 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 the word is there meaning it's a process, right, of judging what took place, what happened, so you can come to a right decision and a right conclusion. And this is what Paul says, when you're rightly examining, when you're rightly discerning, this is why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I discern the gospel, the gospel of Christ, the message of Christ. He was broken. He was battered. He was bloodied. He was, he was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was raised from the dead to newness of life. Okay, I'm not ashamed. That's what, that's what communion is all about. It's the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone that believeth. So when we're taking communion properly... Properly discerning, rightfully discerning, rightly discerning, right? It's going to produce our salvation experience to be realized, multiplied in our lives, and not because we're not rightly discerning or discriminating wrongly or wrongly the damnation, living in the damnation and not the salvation. And this ain't me, this is Paul saying this. Not me. He, he used those words. I'm not pronouncing this on you guys. I'm just saying this is what happens when we're not taking the communion properly. And again, I mean... Pastor, you, let me, yeah. Can I ask a question before you move on? Well, if you can't hold, hold it, you have to ask it now. Go ahead. No, I'll, I'll hold it. Yeah, because I, I... And write it down so you don't forget it. All right? Write it down so you don't forget it. You know, and this is what Paul, think about it. This is what Paul is doing when he's taking communion. Broken body, blood, broken body. I, I'm, I'm rightly discerning. I'm, I'm seeing what happened. This is my body. I'm one with Jesus. We're one. Happened to him, happened to me. Happened to him, happened to me. Rightly discerning. I'm celebrating communion. Communion, this is the gospel message. So now Paul is see, saying, well, I was crucified with him. Now I'm rightly discerning. I'm rightly discerning the body. I'm rightly discerning the blood. I was with him. I was in him. I was a part of him. I was crucified with him. You know? You know? And, and it says, nevertheless, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now I'm living. I'm rightly, I'm rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm rightly discriminating. I'm rightly, you know, discerning. This is what happened to him. This is what happened to me. I see what happened to him. And now I'm seeing what happened to me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I have, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that is so important right there. And now the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. 
A lot of people say it should not be faith of the Son of God. It should be faith in the Son of God. I disagree with them. I totally disagree with them. If it says in your Bible, in, it should be of. Because what is the, is the faith of Jesus Christ? I'm breaking the bread for you. Guys, this is what's being done for you. This is what the Father is doing for you. This is what it's... And because I am willfully submitting myself to the will of the Father... I know that the Father will do what the Father will do, and that is restore me and restore you. That was the faith of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross, right? He's the finisher and author of faith. He went to the cross. His body was broken, and he did it in faith. He did it in faith saying, Father, I'm doing your will. This is my part. Father, your part, your part raises from the dead. Raise us in newness of life. Raise us in resurrection life. Raise us in restoration. Raise us in healing. Raise us in wholeness. That's the faith of Christ. And now Paul is saying, I'm living out my life right now in the faith of Christ. And God and Christ put his face in the Father, and his Father doesn't disappoint. And this is what's happening when you're doing when we're taking communion. Uh, my old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of the cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. This is what's happening when you're celebrating communion. I have there the mirror says, I was in him in his death. Now I discover that he is infused in me and with me in life. Wow. This is communion. This is what you're discriminating. This is what you're discerning. This is what you're seeing. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Then I have in the notes, let communion be a powerful remembrance and let that remembrance spring forth the power that has been planted within us as often as we do it. All right. So now, rightly discerning, remembrance, examine, prove, test, unworthily. We talked about that, guilty. Now, the last things I have, going through this pretty quick in this remembrance is uh, as often as we do. And I have there, and lastly, in remembrance of me. He breaks the bread. He broke the bread. And then I have there, rightly discerning the Lord's body, discerning it. And we come to the conclusion, conclusion that healing, healing, according to community, Communion, the reason why people are missing it or being or not being healed or dying immaturely is because they're not properly discerning. They're, prop, they're not properly remembering. And remember, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us remember. So there's no reason why when we're taking communion, we just get in the Holy Spirit. I can remember and I can think, but I need you. This is why you're here. This is why you're with me to help me remember better, to help me discern better to help me see more clearly. And think about John, 3 John 
Chapter 1, verse 2. I pray that you will be in health. Be in health. Be be wealthy and be in health even as your soul prospers. That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So how does that take place? Why does that take place? Because in our mind, we're being right in our discriminating, right in our discerning, right in our remembrance. And it's, 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 it's important to remember the last statement I have there is, it is not a work. It never will be a work. As we're taking communion, it's the catching of a vision. And as we catch that vision, as we're rightly discerning and discriminating the body and the blood, it, it leads to health, healing, and longevity of life. So when we take com- communion, we have to take it in a worthy manner. And that is rightly remembering. Taking the time not to work, not, you know, nothing that we have to attain to it. It's, it's rightly remembering and it's rightly discerning because as you rightly remember and you rightly discern, then you rightly see. What do you rightly see? His body broken, your body made whole. His blood shed, you with perpetual forgiveness. Period. And like I said, I don't know. But Paul, this is the only place where he says, many of you are sick and dying prematurely because you have not been taking the Lord's communion in a worthy manner. So I hope this like kind of helped. Help, did you? All right, good. Show what a worthy manner is so that there's, not damnation, and there is salvation. I hope. I hope this has helped a little bit. Now I'm done, and I, I I'm open to comments or questions. Jessica, you had one, so you go first. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of talked about it in the last statement you had in here, but I guess my question is, how much of a process do you think it is that we have to go? because of so much junk in our minds, do we have to go through to actually be fully looking at this properly and remembering it properly so that we can receive our healing? Well, it's a good question. And um, that's why I I now today, over the past few years, I've learned how to guard my eye gate and guard my ear gate. And of course, watch over my mouth when I speak. You know, um, and, you know, because I, I was raised, I was raised for 35 years, and, and I thought taking the, the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner means I wasn't examining my body, wasn't exa- I wasn't exa- examining myself to find all the sin and all the transgressions, oh. you know, and, you know, I used to lead songs. And during communion and whatnot, and my uh, my my favorite communion song was, you know, created me a clean heart. Oh my God, you know, created me a clean heart. Right, remove not the Holy Spirit with it from me. You know, see if there be any wicked wickedness in me. See, if, that's not rightly examining. That's not rightly discerning. 
And, but for 35 years, that's what I did. And, you know, to write right now, there's many in the body of Christ. All right. And that's still what rightly discern means and rightly, you know, rightly examine means. And if you're watching services or listening to preachers and, you know, that's what they're teaching. Well, you know what? That's uh, Jesus' parable about the sower, sowing seed. We know that he was the sower. We all know that he was the sower. And we all know he sowed good seed. And when he sowed good seed and it fell in good ground, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit. So now if we put the good seed in, but then bad seed, you know, and I and, and when I say bad seed, I don't mean, you know, there's people who are sincere, who love God or whatever, but it's bad seed in that it's not rightly examining and it's right not rightly discerning, and it's not it's not remember the new covenant. It, it's not that. They're still living in the mixture, they're still, you know, preaching from the old covenant, you know. See if there would be, be any wickedness in you, any wicked ways in you. There's none righteous, no, not, not, not one, you know, and all that other thing, and, you know, and, uh, and then we cry and we weep and we go to the altar and we, and, and, and we repent in sackcloth and ashes. And that's, not rightly, that's not rightly examining. That's not rightly discerning. So when you listen to that, then Jesus said, you know, the, the good, it's kind of, Kind of, it's being produced, right? The 30, 60, 100 folds coming up. But then all of a sudden, it's choked. You know, there's weeds, there's stuff like that. He likened it onto the cares and worries of this world. I I, I kind of, I got to look at that word, world, if it means age. I have to look at that. Because if it's not, if it's not cosmos and it's aeon, he's, he's letting them know the cares of this age, the cares of, Rightly, rightly dividing. There it is, grace again, you know. Staying in the true and in the new. And it's vitally important. Because the words, the, the, the traditions of men make the word of God a none effect. And I want the word of God to act and, and to work in my life as in full effect. So I'm very cautious as to what I listen to and who I let in. And sometimes I, I'll go, I've... I, I feel like I've gone too long, Lord. I know there's other. I know there's other people you want me to listen to and hear and, and whatever, but I've gone long periods of time. You guys, I teach and teach and teach and teach, and it's stuff the Holy Spirit gives me because I just don't want to listen. I don't want to become. I just don't want to become corrupted. I, you know, it's bad enough. I watch every other commercial is, is on a sick about a sickness or about a disease or about a medication or, you know, and uh, it's bad enough. You know, I have to deal with that. I don't want to deal with people who are not rightly dividing or whatever. But, you know, just recently I, I, I listened to a couple of messages, you know, a couple of messages. The Holy Spirit led me, and I know why. In fact, one of them was from Keith Moore, and um, I put him on, my, on our website, New Life Ministry, because it, it was such a good message on, on, on faith. I put that, and I listened to the cowboy, Butch Bruton. I listened to them. You know, throw in a little Joseph Prince, but it's, you know, it's mainly Butch Bruton because he's safe. And so, you know, it's so important. It's so important, you know, because, you know, you don't want to take five steps forwards and then six steps backwards in this. I wish you would be in health, uh, prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Well, I want this soul to prosper. It's got to prosper. This soul's got to prosper. So I don't want to stop that progression. 
you know, renewing. I don't want to stop. I stay. I stay in. I stay in. Just like I said, I listened to five, six messages on the way to New Hampshire. It was all me. Because I'm not going to tell myself, you know, you really need to put in some effort. You really need to, you know, you have a work that you have to do. You know, you have a responsibility. No. No. I taught this morning, you know, on how we overcome the world. How do we overcome the world? By our faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, so I just put faith in Jesus Christ. I look to Jesus Christ and that's how I overcome the world? Yep. Well, don't I have to do something? Nope. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus Christ. And you overcome the world. That was, to, that was today's message. So it's vitally important. And I know that the body of Christ will keep on listening and listening and listening to as many messages, as many people as they can, because we're all looking for the same things. But the bottom line is you got to protect your eye gate. You got to protect your ear gate because you don't want anything, you know, anything to indicate that, well, you have to examine yourself to see if there's any wickedness in you. There's no wickedness in me. This is what I have to believe in. This is what I have to confess. There's no weakness in me. Why? Because as Jesus is, so am I in this world. I, I, I have to tell, you know, people, I tell myself, you know what? When, I'm, when I speak negative about myself, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You know, the father would never say that about Jesus. Okay. Father would never say that about me. Right. If he wouldn't say it about Jesus, why? He's not going to say it about me. And if he's not going to say it about me or to me, why am I going to say it about myself or to myself? So I'm only going to say what he says. I'm only going to say what he would say. I'm only going to say the things that he said to Jesus. I'm his beloved son in whom, he, whom he's well pleased. So I don't know. That's a long answer for a short question. Anybody else have a comment or anything like that? It helped. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Guess what? I didn't, rec I didn't hit record. But at least I have the podcast for everybody. Yay! 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 Rock! Any other questions? Any it's other comments? Sunday too. What? I know it happened on Sunday. It happened on Sunday. Yeah, but I don't play. I play Nina. Nina didn't. She didn't remind me. It's her fault. No. I just got to do a better job remembering. I gotta, we got to remember the website. We got to remember that, you know, they remembered it. I got to, I got to have that checklist right there on the, on the tape it on, on the podium. So I know, okay. Ooh. But, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't record the zoom. That's not recorded, but the message is recorded, which is good. All right. Any other questions or comments? So we're going to take communion. Well, no, we're not going to take it now. But we're going to take communion on Sundays, but, but we're going to help people be led into rightly discerning the Lord's body, into rightly discerning the blood, right, rightly, you know? And, uh, you know, I think about Abraham. I don't know if God, if, if the way it's written really happened or not, if God really told him, I want you to take your son. I want you to take your son. I'm, I don't know that in, it's in our language, but I just can't believe that God would test Abraham. What was he showing? It, it was shown to Abraham for Abraham to see how much Abraham loved God. I don't know. All I do know is this. Oh, that he gave, was willing to give him up for God. 
I understand that, but I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not saying I don't I don't necessarily believe that God told him to do that. I believe God just said, you know, take your son and take whatever, and we're going to make sacrifice. I, I that's what the language says. So I'm not certain that it said that it said, or if man, you know, whatever. I want you to take your son, and we're going to sacrifice. I'm, I don't know. But that's besides the point because the real point is here this man is 110 years old, 115 years old. Now Sarah is 105, okay? And they finally have a son. And now he's saying, you are the most important thing in my life. You. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is not a work. This is not a something I need to do. This is a revelation I want to have. This is a revelation I want to come to. And I don't know that my revelation is, is all the time. Maybe sometimes it is, but all the time where it's you. It's you and everything else and everybody else is a distant, a distant second, you know? And so when we're rightly discerning and discriminating the Lord's Supper and the Lord's body and the Lord's blood, we are rightly putting him there and everything else is a distant, a distant second. And when we're rightly discerning and discriminating, taking it properly, the body and the blood, Paul says, no sickness is among you, and no premature deaths. Well, that's why I get out of Corinthians chapter 11. Any other comments before we uh, say goodnight? You guys were blessed tonight a little bit? A little bit? Nice in my hand. Oh, I, oh, well, you're not on my screen. Okay, what do you want? Why? I don't know. Because my screen can only put a certain amount of people on it at a time. Let me see. Let me get you. You don't have that many people on the screen. Well, I have it on the left, and I have uh, <laughs> Gary, Terry, Nina, and Lori. Oh, let me hit this arrow here. Ah, now I have Caprice, Joanne, and Joanne. She's been there all along. I know, she but not on my screen. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, 